And what's the big deal about Mount Sinai? What, what happens? We have the Ten Commandments. So the burning bush. So um, I love all of you, and I just want you to know that you've answered incorrectly. Because <laughs> you don't remember that sermon from a long time ago. But in, in my opinion, that was kind of a trick question. But in my opinion, Mount Sinai is not about Ten Commandments. It's about what happens just before, because God is going to make a proclamation. And I want to go back for just a minute, and I want to read this. So Exodus chapter 20 uh, is where the uh, Ten Commandments are given, but at Exodus 19, they're already there at the mountain, at the foot of the mountain. And and listen to this. And the Lord uh, said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them be careful that you do not go up the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Well, that kind of ends a little scary, but what is it really about? I, I think Exodus chapter 20, I think Mount Sinai really is not about Ten Commandments as much as it is about God coming down. The Ten Commandments are what happens after the relative calls, the mom calls and says, I'm coming to visit. Okay, that's the Ten Commandments. You've had that phone call before? How many of you have gotten a surprise phone call from somebody, maybe from a parent or a brother or sister or a dear friend that says, hey, I just happened to be around. I'm coming in. That happened to us growing up a lot because the family that I grew up in, we weren't quite as tidy as we probably could have been or should have been. And so we would kind of get a little messy every once in a while. And so when somebody would come over, there was an alarm that would be sound and people would find ways we would find new places to put whatever we could you didn't dare no one opened up a closet after somebody had just been there because you knew the first one who opens up that closet something was going to just shoot out at him under the bed i think the bed's got about three inches taller because you would just shove things under there and it would just slowly rise so i i mean i would kind of say in some ways that the Ten Commandments are the, okay, here's what we need to do. Now, I'm not saying that those things weren't important. We knew that those were important. Grandma's coming over. Everybody, get everything ready as, as fast as you can, right? And that was important stuff, but the big deal was Grandma was coming, right? And we wanted to be prepared for that. And the Ten Commandments, in a way, are like that. It's God's coming down, so let's get things ready because we want to be a people who resemble Him. And so I want us to talk about what that means for us. We're thousands of miles and thousands of years from Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments. What does that mean for us today? Well, I think what it really means is that when we come together, it's not so much about how we sound or how we look or how comfortable things are, or how long things are, or how well we like the, the songs that are chosen. That it Really, the big deal is about God's coming down. And really, Exodus is just one of several different places in which we get this sense of wanting to prepare for God. In fact, if we go read in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, it's written by the great Solomon. He says this, he says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know 
that they do wrong. He says, do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. Solomon in all his wisdom says, when it is time to worship, when you go to worship, and that could be in an auditorium, it could be at a workplace, it could be at your home, whenever you're worshiping, think about what you're doing. Make it a big deal. Spend time in preparation for it. Now, there's a lot of things that have to go on, believe it or not, in order for us to have a, a, a worship service on a Sunday morning. Lots of moving parts. Um, we have to make sure that we have doors unlocked and we have lights on. We have to make sure that we have the air conditioning running. Heaven forbid we don't have air conditioning. You know, we had that issue a couple Wednesday nights ago and air, air wasn't going. And I mean, just tongues were hanging out and people were panting. It's like, man, this is awful. You know, there, there has to be thought that goes into um, the sermon and the communion thoughts and the choosing of the songs. There has to be time spent in prayer. When, when people come up and, and preside over communion, they want them to be thoughtful, but they want to be pointing to God and glorifying to Him. So lots of little things go in that. Uh, things have changed a little bit over the years. Uh, for Eddie Van Winkle, uh, he's the one who kind of coordinates uh, a lot of the, uh, the worship leaders, especially in regards to a communion. And that's changed dr drastically in just the last few years. But, but some of you can remember um, back when a time when we passed trays. Man, that seems like forever ago. But, you know, there, there's a lot of things that have to go in, in into preparing for that. And, and when things don't work right, I mean, the song slides have to be um, prepared in advance. They have to be put on the, the Mevo, which is our little camera. Uh, and, and we have a Mevo operator. Lee uh, Mitchell does that for us. And so for the people at home, um, we have this camera on, and, and he has to make sure it's zoomed in or zoomed out or try to get my best side. But I can't convince him to move the camera behind me. But if we could do that, that would be nice. Um, he has to move slides for the people at home. The slides have to be advanced. There's just a lot of things that go on in order for, for this to work. And, and you've seen what happens when, when things aren't going quite right. It kind of falls apart and we can get distracted. But even if you're not the one who says, okay, I need you to pass these trays. Maybe you're not the one who is um, leading the communion thoughts or giving the sermon Maybe you're not the one who's, who's leading in prayer or leading songs. That doesn't absolve you from your responsibility to not only participate, but to come prepared. So we do something that's a little weird. It's a little hokey. And, you know, when I first introduced this, I think it got a lot of uh, furrowed brows and thought, oh, I'm not really sure about this. But when we get ready for worship, we do something kind of silly. Um, we have a countdown screen on. Has anybody noticed that? Has anybody ever pay attention to that? Why in the world would we have a countdown screen? Does it seem a little hokey? Like, oh, we got to hurry and finish with this fellowship because it doesn't really count. You know, or we got to get started on time so we can end on time because heaven forbid we go a little bit over and burn the roast or don't beat the Baptist Alubies. I mean, what? Why, why the countdown screen? And I was very sincere about wanting to have this 
this countdown screen because I thought, here's what I really want. I want us to understand that we're about to invite God into our presence, that we are about to be in His presence, and I think we should make a really big deal about it. That this is, this is about to happen. I mean, we want to be prepared for that. I love to fellowship. I love to spend time getting to visit with people. But there's a time when I say, okay, this is worship. This is about God. This is not about anything else. This is not about how we feel or what we like. This is really about preparing. And so I want to ask you this. Do we have to prepare? Should you prepare before you walk into these doors? And what might that look like? For a really long time, um, it was about what you looked like. Um, 20 years ago, I would have been run out of this place for standing up here without a coat and tie. I mean, it's, it's, that's what I grew up with. I grew up with a coat and tie. I mean, even as a little kid, I had little coats and ties that we would walk around in. And that's what we wore because that was one way. We did something that was kind of interesting, and we never did it any other day of the week. Um, of course, it was a little different. We didn't have the, the Christian radio stations like we have now. Um, but my mom would put on, uh, I don't know if it's tape, it was probably a record now that I think about it. She might put on like the Statler Brothers or something, or the Gospel Heirs on Sunday morning. It's, it's the only time we use that radio. We weren't music people. We weren't radio people. But every once in a while, that phonograph would have a, a record in it, and we would, we would be jamming out to, you know, I, I don't think the Oak Ridge Boys had, I, maybe they did, I can't remember, but the Statler Brothers for sure. And we'd be listening to that. Um, I can't say that the ride from the house to the church was as God-filled as what we would have liked it to be. There were some threats that were given. <laughs> yeah. You can remember that. But it was a, you know, there, there was some idea of, okay, here's some things you do and you don't do. And we might see some of that as a little picky or a little legalist. Like, oh, well, we wouldn't ever do that anymore. I can remember a time when you did not run in the building. If you wanted to run, you went outside in the field far away, and then you could go do that. You did not have food or drink in the auditorium. Oh, man, that was a no-no. You wouldn't dare do that. You couldn't have, there was no thought of, of coffee in the building. Um, I can remember the time growing up where they had a, a, a men's business meeting to discuss whether or not they could have a kitchen in the church building. And they ultimately agreed but they put it on the second floor as literally on the opposite end of the building. As far, it, was, it was the most impractical place to put it, but it was on the opposite side of the auditorium. So it was then, okay, Claire, you, you, you grew up, you know this. You, you probably had to hear some of those conversations as well with, with your dad. But, you know, we just, there was kind of this, it was a very sacred time. And some of those things kind of turned a little legalistic in some ways. And we argued about whether we could do this or that. But there was a certain idea of there's a proper way in order to worship. And as we moved on, I don't want to use the word progressed, as if 
you know, that was, we were Neanderthals back then and now we're much better. So I don't want to use the word progress, but our thinking has changed and we've become a little bit more lax. And some of that has been very healthy. Um, I, I think it's great that we are now in a, uh, we are more understanding of a, a grace-filled atmosphere. But in doing that, you also sometimes lose the, the, the sense of sacredness. And, and would I be a different person if I was here in a suit and tie? I don't think so, but I do also think that there should be a certain amount of reverence that should be brought in to our worship. And not just for me. I don't, I don't think it should in, in be for me alone. I, I don't think that, that if you expect me to wear a tie that you should be sitting there in a t-shirt. I don't, whatever you think that is appropriate for me should be appropriate for you. But I personally think that whatever is appropriate for me is really between me and the Lord. And whatever is appropriate for you, as long as we can maintain order, is what you should bring before the Lord. But as we look throughout Scripture, we see in Exodus, what we see is God is saying, I'm coming down, and this is a really big deal. And Solomon is going to echo that. He's going to say, when you have an opportunity, when you, when you come into the presence of the Lord, it's a really big deal. And these aren't the only two places. We looked at uh, just a little bit ago, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. There wasn't um, order, it was disorder and, and dysfunction. And Paul says, this is not the way a church works. You don't stuff your face while your friend, your neighbor is going hungry. That's not how it works. You don't show up so you can get drunk. And he even takes it so far to say, as when you take the Lord's Supper, you better examine yourselves. There's some really harsh language that, that he uses in the Greek when he says, examine yourselves. And I just don't want us to fool ourselves and to think that we're doing God a big favor by showing up this morning and, and taking a, a bit of cracker and drinking a little bit of juice and saying, I've done my deal. That was a, I did a good thing today. How often should we take communion is a question that has been asked for thousands of years. And as one who reads the Bible, I, I kind of think it depends. And I'm here to suggest that maybe there are days that you show up on Sunday. And if you heed the words of Paul, he's going to say, don't take it. Because this is an opportunity to remember what he did. You're, you're proclaiming the sacrifice of Jesus. Now, Eugene Peterson takes a, a great deal of creativity and imagination as he re-paraphrases that. But I just thought it was interesting that he talked about, hey, you're remembering it in such a way that you're not remembering you know, the greatness of God. Instead, you're placing yourself as the one of the hecklers with the one of the ones who spit on Jesus when you take the Lord's Supper in a way that is, is not godly. And so it's kind of a big deal. 
And so we're going to get to some practical um, suggestions in just a minute. But before we do, there's one more place I want to go to, and that's in Joshua chapter 3. I love the book of Joshua. Starts off just super awesome. Anybody can remember what has just happened prior to Joshua taking the helm? Anybody? We, we lose somebody. Who do we lose? Moses. This is a, this is a really big... He had led them through. I mean, he's... He's a seasoned veteran. He had been around God. He'd been up with God. Um, he was there at the burning bush while they were still stuck in Egypt. He's out in the desert. God's ultimately going to call him into Egypt, call them out of Egypt, and he's going to lead them for a really long time. But now it's time for Moses to go when people are really upset because they have seen Moses as the face of who God is. And God says, I'm God, Moses is not. And he's going to pull up another person by the name of Joshua. And Joshua is going to need some, some pretty big encouraging. And he's going to get it in chapter 1. Just a, a, a great story uh, uh, in chapter 1. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Over and over that is repeated. And then we're going to have uh, Rahab is going to be mentioned in chapter 2. That's another uh, fun story uh, that, that, is, that you probably heard throughout many children's Bible classes. But I want to get to chapter 3. They're going to cross over the Jordan. And there's going to be some things that sound a little familiar. This is not the first time that they've crossed a body of water on dry land. But listen to how this one takes place. It's a little different than when Moses stood there with the staff. It says, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out and went up to Jordan, where they camped before crossing. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. They said, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, and the priest, who are the Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. So what's going on? Why These are, these are commands that are given by God. They're passed down to these officers. The officers are now going throughout all the people and said, Okay, we're here. We're getting close. Okay, when you see the ark and it passes by, I want you to follow it because that's how you know where to go. But I want you to keep a, a safe distance, a thousand yards, that's 3,000 feet, that's over a half a mile away. Okay, so that's, that's a pretty good distance away. But what's the big deal? Why is, why is there a big deal made about the ark and about, about following it but not getting too close? Seems Do what? If you touch it, you die? Okay, they weren't sanctified? They weren't ready? That's right. That's right. And, and, and for those of us who, who know... Uh, what's going to happen in the future, not our future, their future. But this is going to be an issue a little bit later on about what happens when, you know, you're, you're transporting the ark in an improper fashion. But why have the ark in the first place? It has the Ten Commandments. I, th I think what it's pointing to is the fact that this is God. Like, keep your focus on God. Do you think there are a lot of things that were going on at that point? They were now, for the first time, 
they were going to enter into the land that's been promised to their forefathers, the ones that didn't get because they wandered around the desert. I mean, this is a big deal for them. They're now about to cross over the Jordan in, into a land of people that are, are humongous and fierce, and they have these big fortified cities. You think they're scared about what might happen to them? When you go to war, some people are going to lose. Some people are going to die. You think they're anxious about that? You think there's some mothers there thinking about my kids in the army? What happens when we go after some of these places? What happens if they don't come back home? Yes. Yes. Yeah. They they didn't have they didn't have mom and dad to look up to anymore. All of a sudden, that generation that had crossed over, uh, who had who had walked on dry land before, none of them were around. Right, And so now there's a, just a great deal of tension, of anxiety, of what's going on. Moses isn't there anymore. Now Joshua's there. And I think the first thing that God wants them to know is, hey, don't forget, I'm here. When you see that ark, I want you to know that I'm with you. I'm the God that allowed your family to walk across on dry land all those years ago. And I'm the God who fed you with manna and quail six days a week. I'm the God that provided for you. And I'm going to be with you. We're, we're going through this together. The first thing you need to know is, don't worry about who's not here, mom and dad, Moses. Don't be thinking about how big the army is or how tough the enemy is. Don't be thinking about how are we going to cross over. What you need to focus on first and foremost is on, on me. And so when we come here together, that's the big deal. I mean, we can talk about, well, you know, if I went somewhere else, I could get better preaching. Yeah, you could. But this isn't about me. This is about God. And so when we come here first, I want our focus to be on this. This is an opportunity to worship God. Now, just super fast, we've been talking about this a lot, but I have to say this. This is not where God resides solely, okay? Jesus was very clear about that, okay? That, that when you leave, that like you're still going to have opportunities to worship God. Don't think, okay, I'm worshiping God now. Worship is over, and now I'm going to go somewhere else. So that just had to make sure I made that disclaimer. But with that being said, I, I want to go on. It says, Joshua told the people, he said, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. What does that mean to... To consecrate, not just in, in Jewish Old Testament terms, but what do you think that means for us today? If Joshua were to say, hey, we're getting ready, we're following God, I want you to consecrate yourself. What do you think that means? To set yourself apart? To prepare? Okay. So what if, what if these words actually do resonate and they... They come to our time and place right now. What does that mean? What if, what if you got a call last night that said, hey, God's going to be here tomorrow. I want you to consecrate yourself. What if you got that phone call? 
What if, what if you had a dream, and in that dream it was revealed to you, God is going to be here, consecrate yourself, prepare yourself, what do you think is going to happen? Do what? Sure, if you're living that daily. But I, th I think the, the understanding is if you're going to consecrate yourself, then there's something that has to change. It, it should be a continual consecration. Your life should be that. But if you get that phone call, if you have that dream, if you, if you have a dream last night and it says, I want you to consecrate yourself because tomorrow you're going to see God, what happens? Okay. Okay. So for them, consecration partly meant physically. I, I think spiritually it meant something as well. What does that mean for us today? To, to clear your mind of the world. We don't have to. We don't worry about that. <laughs> Judy, nobody worries about anything that's going on. I haven't heard anybody talk about masks or vaccines or politics. None of that anymore. We just, all, I'm just walking around like, oh, everything is so great, right? So yeah, there has to be this like, I've got to put this away. And it's really hard to do. That was way easier to do. I say that. I wasn't around. But Lynn can talk about it. And some of those of you older guys several hundred years ago could talk about, you know, it was easy. You know, you could get away easier than you can now. I'm not saying that life is necessarily harder, but I am saying that 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 you could unplug in a way that, that is harder to do now. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's a lot harder to do. And so I think one of the things is I want you to unplug, unplug from the, the TV, unplugged from the phone, unplugged from the news, unplugged from all the bombardment of what's going on, where you're constantly being warned about things or sold things. Like, there has to be this, this unplugging. Okay, Brad, you were saying something? Okay, an atonement. Like, okay, so some, you had to, there had to be a sacrifice that would have been made. Now, this, of course, is going to be a little different than what they did, then and what we do now because our atonement uh, for sin is Jesus Christ once and for all. For, for the Old Testament, that would have meant a sacrifice. That would have meant going to, to get your, your best lamb and, and taking it and sacrificing it. I don't know. I'll tell you one thing for sure. If I got a phone call or if I had a dream and in that dream... I heard God is, is going, you're going to see God tomorrow. Get ready. I'm not sleeping the rest of the night. Like I am up like thinking about it. Now I'm a weird person. I know this. In a lot of ways I'm weird. But one of the ways I'm weird is the fact that I love lists. I love lists. It's just, it's just I will make a list just so I can check it off. There have been times I've made a list and I'm working on that list, and I get distracted, and I do something that's not on the list. Do I shame myself? Do I get mad for not for doing something? No. I add it to the list so I can check it off. 
And if you don't do that, you're the weird person, not me. <laughs> so we make those lists. Uh, and I do, I have those, uh, Brett and I got to, to do this little uh, run thing uh, several years ago. We and, and we were making a list. We were going to be going to Alamogordo, maybe. And, uh, and so I made a list. I color-coded the list. I had it in different groups, like here's what needs to happen here, here's what needs to happen the night before, here's what needs to happen like the day of. Like, and, and it was like so completely specific. Like, put on socks. Like, seriously? Like, am I really going to like go out for a run and be like, oops, I forgot my socks. But I wanted it on the list. Because I wanted to be able to check it off. I wanted to be able to say, I, I, I put the socks on the list. I checked them off. I'm ready to go. Silly, maybe. Um, a, a little bit um, crazy, absolutely. Thanks, Becky. Thanks for giving me your professional medical opinion on this. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they're checking off their list in their head. Okay, so maybe we've made a little bit of a lot of this, but I don't have I don't have a list for this morning. I didn't get the the phone call. I didn't have the dream. And 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 maybe it's it's just for me to tell you that it is not easy for me, and it should be right for me to bring a gift, my gift this morning to God. And I'm not going to say that it's any easier for you to bring your gift before God this morning. I just want us to know that while we do come together and we corporately lift up God, each one of you has a responsibility. And I hope it is your deep desire to bring something that contributes to the worship and that you, you can allow your heart to be brought before God. And this is not a threat. This is not a banging of the pulpit. I'm, this is not about, I, you know, I'm, you're going to go to hell. I, I just want you to know this. I think the Bible is very clear about how our relationship with God and the way that we worship should be wholehearted and all in. And it's not easy. And I can sit here with tears in my eyes and say there are so many times that I just, it's, worship is tough. It's, it's not easy. And I, I wish I could tell you it was. But with all the things that are going on outside, with all the issues that I know you are facing, with the uncertainties, with the confusion, with all the the hatred that's going on. You know, for all the times that I'm, I want to be careful by what I say. I, I want to challenge you, but not really offend you. I want you to encourage you, but not comfort you into thinking that whatever you're doing is just fine. Like it's, and for each one of you, as you show up, you might be sitting next to a person that you're kind of upset with right now. Or maybe you're not sitting next to a person who was, you wish was right here with you. And so there's a lot of things going on. And, 
And what Joshua 3 says is, let your focus be on God. Let that be the thing that motivates you. And then when you, you come in to worship, just, just leave it all out there. And again, if you say, you know what, I'm, I'm, this, is not, this is not all out for me. This is not how I worship. That's great. I don't, I'm not asking you to mirror what somebody besides you does. And to be honest, God, and then later in the New Testament, Jesus is going to say, like, your worship of this is vain. It's useless. If it doesn't start right here, it does not matter what the rest of your body's doing. But let, let this guide you. And if you come into this place and your worship is deep reverence, and what you want to do is, is do just what um, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, let your words be few. And you say, my worship is going to be humble. I don't want to bring any attention to myself. And so you won't see me doing this or that. If that's how you feel, then just let it be your gift to God. Just let it be your gift to God. I just don't want us to find ourselves on cruise control. I don't want Sunday to be, I've checked off this box. I've done worship and now I'm out. So, what does that actually look like for us? How do we sanctify ourselves? How do we consecrate ourselves? And why is this even important? Well, okay, so there's there's three reasons why I think worship is really important. And I'm going to go super fast. One, it's because God commands it. Two, because God deserves it. And three, humans need it. We need to know that there's a God who's greater. And there's a God who's in control. And, and, and everything may seem to be in total chaos, but I believe that, that God has, has a handle on all of this. And he's not going to get surprised by any of it. But with that being said, how do we prepare for worship? What are some ways that, that you've seen people prepare for worship? Maybe there's something that, that you did growing up in your family, or maybe it's something you, you do today, or, or maybe you haven't done it. Maybe you've just heard it being done, and maybe you think, you know what, this is a good idea. You, you, you have the dream. You're going to see God tomorrow. Get ready. Number one, what's on the checklist? What do you think you, what might be helpful for you personally? Okay. You think about others who are going to be here? Okay. So you can spend time in, in, in prayer for them. Praying that, um, that God will be with them physically. That God will be with them emotionally. That God will be with them spiritually. Listen, if you're tired of praying and you're bored and you don't know what to pray, I'm just, this sounds really terrible, but I'll give you something to pray for. Pray for me. I, I'm, I won't be ashamed in saying, pray for me. Like, I, I want to do the very best I can. I want my gift to God to be glorifying to Him, and I can't do it on my own. So if you're like, I'm running out of things to pray for, just pray for me. Pray that, that God pushes me out of the way, and that what you hear 
on on during during worship and class is his words and not mine. I would just love that. I just I think all of a sudden I might be an above average preacher if if you guys would start praying or just continually lift me up in prayer. Because I know I can't do it, but I know God can. So there's something that you can do. Pray for other people around you. Pray for the people who you know that are going to be there. Pray that their hearts will be open and receptive. Pray that your own ears will be opened and that your heart and heart will be softened and your life will be receptive to, to what God is trying to speak um, to you. Uh, pray for the people who aren't here. You know, we have Jackie and uh, Brunel. Um, who are, are both sick, and Dimitri and Elsie and Vaughn and so many other people we've had who are sick. Some of our sweet older ladies who haven't been able to come back yet. Um, Betty, you can pray pray for all of them. Um, so that that's something that that puts us in tune with God. Okay. So what else can you do, Kenneth? Okay, you you can do you can start singing and you could have a time of prayer. You can sing songs. Uh, I'll say something and this might get me in trouble, but that's okay. I'm willing to do it. If you're like, you know what? I think singing would be a real good idea, but I can't remember the words. Like, we don't use the songbooks. Okay, we have them on the screen. Grab a songbook, borrow it, take it home, and sing songs on Saturday night or any day of the week. I, I, I don't know. I, I may get in trouble for that one, but that's okay. I'll 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 take that. So and sing songs, by, and it may sound terrible. Trust me, I do it all the time. It sounds awful. Although it does sound better in the shower. I haven't figured that one out. But okay. So just that's an opportunity to just sing. Okay, Kenneth. Okay. Wow, that's you are really just throwing down the gauntlet, aren't you? So Kenneth, this Kenneth's suggestion's not mine, but what he specifically word for word said was he said, I dare you not to pick up your phone after sunset on Saturday. That's what he said, not me. I, those are his words, not mine. I'm verbatim. That's what he said. Don't pick up your phone after the sun goes down. That's that's Jewish in principle, right? Like, say, maybe not watch the news. What what would happen? Would our services look a little differently if we if everybody unplugged? Now again, I'm, you you choose what's best for you. And for some of you, you're like, oh, I, I don't want none of that bothers me. But for some people, yeah, it, it can be bothersome, and it's something that they find themselves constantly hooked to. So if you're if it's Saturday night. And you're scrolling through the Facebook feed, and you're just getting more and more upset. Um, then it's probably going to make Sunday morning a little bit more difficult. So prepare your mind. Okay, what else do you do? You've just gotten the the dream. You're going to see God tomorrow. Get ready. What are you going to do? Yes, Rita. Not be quiet. Not be quiet. 
Okay. Just spend some quiet time. Find a quiet place. Be thankful and grateful. Maybe it's your your prayer closet. Maybe it's your your um, the the bench, the swing on in, on your back porch. Just find a place that you can just focus on God. Remember, we go back to Joshua chapter three. Why was it important to have the ark? Because it was a a visible reminder that God was present. And that's something that they needed. And so if we can say, okay, I'm going to push all those things aside. Okay, we're making our checklist. For all of your checklist people, uh, what we have is um, pray for, for other people as we come together, including pray for the, the, the preacher and the communion presider and, and everybody as we come together. Um, we talked about um, spending time in song. We talked about unplugging. Uh, you can add that to your list. We talked about finding a quiet place. So we have five so far just for you checklist people. Everybody else, it doesn't matter. What else? Reading the Bible. Spending time reading. I mean, we, we did this several years ago, Lance and I, when this the whole thing started. Actually, it wasn't that it wasn't years ago, but it seems like years ago. We did a study on Psalms. Go through and read some of the Psalms. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. I just imagine that. I mean, I know it doesn't look like that and we won't do this, but wouldn't it be cool if one day we had one of those big, huge paper signs like they have at the football game? And like when you come into the doors, you have to run through it. Like this is the time where we are celebrating God. Like this, I just want, however it looks, I want you to be thinking about this. Um, okay, uh, wait, Dwight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you're, it, Dwight said, he says he opens up the doors and the windows. He's like, this is like a, a letting God in. Like this is just, this is, it helps him to prepare for it. You know, there's some little things that, that can make a big difference. Uh, we're almost out of time, but I was uh, taking a class on conflict uh, management and resolution. And one of the things they talked about, even something as simple as your body posture, that how you hold your hands can actually affect how you receive information and how it affects you. That when you're upset, if your hands are clenched, or even if they're just like this, a lot of times it means that you're closed. I know when, when I see my wife doing this, it, either she's cold uh, or I've done something wrong. Right? Are you cold, babe? Sorry. Maybe you shouldn't have asked that. <laughs> the eyes say no. Yeah. But here's something, and this is why I point this out, Dwight, is that they actually said that like, if you're in an argument or, or you're at a, a, an anxious point, that, that when you're sitting down, right, and instead of having your hands like this, if you open up your hands, it actually has like a, like a change in how you, it just opens you up a little bit. And so maybe it's an opening of a door or a window. Maybe it's sitting there. And I don't think this is a hokey, you know, Eastern religion that if you sit there and you have your hands open, 
That this is, I'm inviting God into my presence. I want to open myself up completely. And I want to give you a gift. And I want you to shape and mold my life the way you want it to. And that means that you may be saying, God, you're going to speak to me through some songs and some prayers and some words that might challenge me and they may hurt a little bit, but I want to open myself up to what you want to do in in my life. We talked about this last week. God is here. He's doing something. Okay. Now we just need to say, hey, I want to join in that. And so I think you can say, as your time, as you're coming in, I mean, you guys, y'all drive in from like Timbuktu. You have like a four-hour drive to get here. I mean, just the, the opportunities that you have to say, okay, here's what I'm going to do, you know, to prepare for that. If you don't have a, you know, a 40-minute drive coming in here, you know, just find a way to say, you know what, the, I'm God is, I'm going to meet God today. I'm going to see God today like How do I want to get ready for this? Checklist people. Open up your Excel document. Color code it and start saying, here's some things I'm going to try to do differently or or some things I want to experiment on Saturday. Maybe, and and I'll I'll do one more thing. I've shared this before, but this was just, I was reminded of this. This is not just like a one-time deal. Um, I was at... uh, Jennifer's family, we had, we had met for a funeral, and Jennifer had told me about this, and I'd heard other people, but then I heard her aunt talk about this, or her second cousin. They would go over and visit um, Jennifer and stay the weekend with her family. True story. Jennifer's parents made their three girls practice church every Saturday night. They would have them sit on the couch and not move a muscle. That's how seriously they took. Like, you're going to go in there, you will be seen and not heard. That's some, a phrase that my beautiful bride heard many times growing up. But they took that very seriously. Like, this is a really big deal. Like, we want you to experience this. We want you to enjoy this. But we also don't want you to inhibit the worship of other people. And so you're, you're consecrating yourself, but you're also offering your silence, not only to God, but also to the, the people around you. Like we're inviting God into our presence. Okay, do we have time for one more? Does anybody else want to have the closing thought suggestion that we're all going to try this next Saturday? Anybody else have one? Or if you don't, then I encourage you to do what the Tyners do. Sit on your couch and practice worship. Just spend some time with God. You don't have to wait until right now to say, okay, now it's the time to worship. Prepare yourselves. Come early. Put yourself in a joyous, reverent attitude and be willing to lift up God with everyone else. Thank you all for being here as we kind of skipped around through the Old and New Testament. But please think about how you can prepare for worship as you go out this week. We're going to see kids here, so we're going to close out in prayer. Don't forget, Tegan is there in the salmon-colored dress. She just turned 16, and she would love for everybody to acknowledge her and recognize that. Oh, she's mad at me now. Okay, let's close out in prayer. Father God, I just I thank you for being here. Lord, I just pray. It's 
with all the humility that I have. I pray that it has been uplifting to you, that it has been glorifying to you, that it's been a, a sweet aroma. God, you know we're broken, and that's why you sent your son. But Lord, just take our, our broken offerings uh, and let, the, let them be lifted up to you. Jesus, as you take them, form them into something beautiful uh, that falls on the ears of your Father and our Creator. Lord, we have a lot going on, but Lord, I just pray that we will, we will consider our worship, that we will sanctify and consecrate ourselves so that when we come together, it is a sweet offering to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Don't forget, Tuesday, 6 p.m. at Covenant that used to be Lee Regional. You can go up there and join us for our prayer service. We would love to see you.